Welcome to the Money Advantage Podcast, empowering business owners with the permission to think differently about money so that you can consciously choose to live a meaningful and fulfilled life now. Our passion is making money simple, fun, and doable, helping you feel great about your money and getting your money working for you so you can thrive. Hi, and welcome back to the Money Advantage Podcast. Today, we're talking about content marketing and how to craft content that attracts and converts more strangers into satisfied, happy clients simply. We are your hosts, Rachel Marshall and Bruce Weiner. Good morning, Bruce. Good morning, Rachel. Um, you know, what we try to do every every time one of these podcasts is communicate effectively, I guess I should emphasize try and hopefully make... <laughs> Maggie will uh, help us with that today. Excellent. And yes, we have a special guest with us. And this is Maggie Patterson, communication strategist, B2B content marketer, customer case study copywriter, and VP of content marketing with Scoop Industries. Welcome, Maggie. So excited to be here, guys. Awesome. Well, part of our goal is to help you build a business that you love and a life that you love. And we want to give you tools outside of just what we do that will really help you be able to leverage your capabilities and grow your business because scaling into a self-sustaining business is part of building that life and business that you love. So wherever you are now on that scale of business ownership, whether you're a solo operation where all of your business depends on you and you have to trade time for dollars at this point, or whether you're working all the way up to a position where you have a team, they're working from their unique ability, they're supporting you, and you are scaling your business, we want to help you do better. So today we've brought Maggie Patterson onto the show, and she does a lot of work with funnels and traffic and conversion and ads. And let's face it, in business, we're in the communication world. We communicate, whether through our words, whether through email, whether we're blogging or creating videos and content. And so that content word, while it might be scary or seem like it's not relevant to us, we are all in this communication business where we have words we're sharing with potential clients. And we want to make sure that those messages are received congruently and help them grow into a relationship with us. So um, you're working to create content that helps your customers through their question questions, builds a relationship, establishes you as the expert, to provide solutions while building that know, like, and trust factor. So whether you're using landing pages or just working on your website or writing a book, or you have articles and emails, or whether you're just working on your LinkedIn profile, we want to help you tell a story and build your personal brand. So Lucas and I came across Maggie probably about three and a half years ago or so when we were working on our second website and we were pivoting our business. And we really wanted to make sure that our messaging was congruent and Maggie was able to help us do that. And we still are benefiting from that work that we've done together. She's an amazing listener. She reads between the lines. She hears all the things that are not even said in a conversation. She's a great researcher to find out what's already working for you and in your industry and to find out what questions are being asked and what people are looking for and really being able to simplify that story, giving you the courage to tell your story and stand out. So what we want to answer for you today as our audience is how can you strategically fine tune your content marketing to get more results? And how do you determine when to outsource content marketing and hire a professional instead of doing it yourself? So here's a little bit more about Maggie, and then we're going to jump into her story and what she does. 
So Maggie is a strategic communications expert and a B2B content marketer. She works with small to mid-sized businesses to help them meet their business goals. Her specialties are customer case studies and blogging, and she's a master level content marketer. She has personally had deep experience in B2B software, and her team has experience in a variety of industries like online marketing, financial services, real estate, and tourism. As a business owner and a marketing manager or a CEO, you know that you may need to leave your content marketing to professionals or at least get help for you to get back to what you're supposed to be working on day in and day out. And Maggie's team really helps you to be able to do that in a simple way. She's also been featured on entrepreneur.com, virgin.com, Fast Company, and the Huffington Post, and numerous other publications. So she's done some great stuff. So Maggie, let's dig in to your story. So tell us a little bit about who you were before you came into this industry with content writing and marketing and owning your own business. So I, you know, like most people um, that end up starting their own business, I was one of those super, super entrepreneurial kids. And I always joke that my first business was at the age of seven, uh, a wagon ride business charging a dime for kids to go around the block. Um, then I turned it into a wagon thrill. That's awesome. Yeah, and it got really <laughs> out of control and it was shut down due to safety concerns because I was pushing kids down the hill. And that was a, I think I was charging a quarter for that. But I've always been very, very interested in business. So <laughs> when I actually chose my career path, you know, I, I did all the things you were supposed to do, but I always had in the back of my mind, like, hmm, maybe I'm going to do something with this. And then what I, what happened is as I started working and I'd studied communications, I was actually working in a public relations agency and it was very, very entrepreneurial and I had amazing mentors. And I I saw for me how I could turn that into a business. So when I had my son 14 years ago, I went, huh, I'm not going back to work. And like many moms do, I started my own business. And from there, you know, it's been through different forums. I freelanced for a long time and I started growing a team. And now I have the company scoop with my business partner, Brittany. That's awesome. So tell us a little bit more about what scoop is all about and what type of work you do for clients. So we're a tradition, you know, kind of a traditional what you'd think of as an agency, but because we are a small team, we and we love working with small businesses, we mainly work with those kind of small to mid-sized businesses because we truly understand your point of view, your needs, and how so many times, like many, many times our clients come to us and they're like maybe a team of two or three and content marketing for them is something that is time consuming, but very, very important. So we're able to partner with them and help take care of it. And ultimately, like you'd said earlier, simplify it because it's something that can feel so complex and so, so hard to kind of figure out on your own. So, you know, you bring in our team really as the experts to make that part of, you know, whether it's blogging or figure out your video content or, you know, getting your customer case studies out in the world, making that really simple for you. That's awesome. And you kind of transition really well into the next thing I wanted to ask you. And, and so whether somebody's trying to figure out the content piece on their own, or whether they're ready to hire somebody else, what is in your own words, I mean, we talked a little bit about what content marketing is and the value of words in our communication, but what would you say is content marketing and kind of who is it for? Why is it important in today's world? How, what are those transitions that are happening, making this relevant? So here's what's really interesting about content marketing. While that term is, you know, maybe 10 or 12 years old, it's actually nothing new. It's just a different way of approaching your customers. So instead of that kind of traditional, like advertising driven, like buy my thing, buy my thing, buy my thing, what you're doing is focusing on marketing that's providing value to that 
to your audience, that you're creating, you know, the type of content that answers questions, educates them, helps them figure out if they actually need your product or service. So content marketing literally goes back hundred over a hundred years. There's examples of John Deere, you know, the tractor company doing a magazine for farmers. And that is content marketing. And if you think of, you know, it's really hard to think about content marketing on this kind of bigger level, but the best example is Lego. Lego is not just Lego anymore, right? My son's super, super into it, but they have movies. There's a magazine. There's the website where you can build things. It's a, it's a holistic experience. So what you really need to think about as a small business owner with your content marketing is how do I create content that's adding value to my audience? And how do I kind of shed that I'm trying to sell to you type relationship and replace it with how do I educate you and how do I make you fall in love with what we do? That's awesome. And I think that's one of the reasons and one of the attractions that really drew us to you in the very first place over three years ago now. And it's that idea that we all are looking for information and whether we're looking to buy right now or we're just looking for information on something, we all go to YouTube Facebook, well, not really Facebook for uh, searching for information, I guess, Google, um, and find out what we can so that we can become educated on something. And I think the prevalence of information is so much there. And then it's trying to figure out, well, now, who do I trust? And how do I make decisions with that information? And I just really love that perspective of educating versus selling. Maggie, uh, the thing that I find interesting when people took, they they use the word marketing um, to encompass many different things, mm-hmm. but I don't believe that a person that says they're a marketing person can possibly be good at all the different things. And I find that people say I'm a copywriter, um, and they write copy, but they have no idea about strategy to get that copy out. Or, they're, or they don't know how to do um, the copy as far as a strategic way of, of content marketing. They don't know how to do an email campaign or a LinkedIn campaign or uh, blogging um, in an educational way. So how does a person who's looking for these services uh, oh, and another one is even um, a graphic artist. A lot of times will say, "Well, you know, I'm good. I'm good at those things too." How does a person d- decipher uh, all this, these different types of marketing, and and uh, figure out what a person is good at, and whether they're going to have a team around them to be able to do what they what they say they're going to do? Because I see this all the time. Because I'm in a like a co working space here in St. Louis, and and these marketing people say, oh, yeah, we can do that. We can do that. We can do that. And then you find out that they really can't do it because they're, co- they're, they're going to a graphic artist to do a logo. And that graphic artist is also supposedly, supposedly going to do your, you know, your blogging and your copywriting and so on and so forth. And they're just, they're just not very good at it. They're great graphic artists, but they're not great at everything else. So how do you get around that? So, you know, I love that you asked this question because marketing is one of those things where because it's so cross-functional, you end up, if you're working in marketing for any t- you know amount of time, with touching all these different areas. And I think from a business owner perspective, it can be very, very difficult to understand like, 
okay, so this person's going to create a logo or this person's going to write emails, but do they actually understand the strategy behind it? So I think this is where you have to do a little bit of reconnaissance on the person and understand like, am I hiring someone for the tactic or am I hiring to bring the strategy? Because a lot of times we'll go in with the budget uh, for what we want the tactical person when we really want the strategic person that's going to cost us more and understanding that when you are working with someone that is more strategic, it is going to be a bigger investment, but ultimately your ROI on that investment is probably going to be much, much stronger. The other thing is too, you know, I'm a big fan when you're hiring anyone, especially in marketing where it can be the kitchen sink, is going in with some sort of, you know, smaller test project where the stakes are lower. You can get a feel for, um, do they understand strategy? Are they able to execute on the tactics? Are they clear, you know, are they clear when they communicate? Do I enjoy working with this person? Because there's the hard skills part of it. And there's also the soft skills of working with them day in, day out, and knowing that they're a good fit and they understand your business. Yeah, I, that's a, that last part's very important because I was actually on our leadership team for one of our other companies that was doing a, a website uh, improvement. And we brought in a person that was, we believe, was a, was a strategist and to me, he was almost like an artist to where mm-hmm. he had, he had his vision and he thought the project was about him and he wasn't listening to what w- the way we wanted to, de- to go with the particular website. Now I understand that, you know, you're hiring a professional and you want their professional opinion, but y- you really have to put your stamp on it and feel good about it. But I felt like the entire time he was just like not even listening to what we were trying to accomplish. And he was just trying to fit us into a little box of of his uh, strategy um, metrics that he always used. And it was it was very frustrating to work with him. And uh, so I I agree with you. You need to have somebody that um, you really can work with. How about the um, you know, when you're talking about getting started do you think strategy comes before branding or branding comes before strategy? You know, this is a really great question. And ultimately, many, like, especially for your audience, like that small business, true small business owner, like a real estate agent, you know, I think branding, we're all obsessed. and <laughs> spoken like someone who's not the branding person, but <laughs> right. Um, I think branding is important to a degree, but many times what I see people do is invest a ton of money in the brand. They invest a lot in a visual identity and in messaging, and it's all theoretical. So I think as a small business owner, what's most important is that you're actually out there making sales and interacting with people and letting the brand and the messaging evolve as you get more information because otherwise you're just making an educated guest. You might be a real estate agent who's like, hey, I do high-end luxury real estate in this part of you know, Miami when really your market's going to end up being you know, suburban houses in some outskirts area of Miami. So, um, you know, I don't... I think depending on where you are in your business, the brand is important. Don't get me wrong, but you need to keep the branding in check and not just, you know, create all this fantastical stuff and invest all this money in it. A brand from a visual point of view is definitely not going to solve your business if you don't have customers. Right. It's kind of like the brand It's like the personal branding people try to do on, on Facebook where everything in their life is absolutely perfect. (laughs) 
and, and, and there's absolutely no strategy to how to get through life really. So Right. Yeah. This is why I post things on my Instagram like here is my fabulous life. Today I went to Costco. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I love how real you are. <laughs> Go ahead, Maggie. What was that again? Oh, then, then it's like things like, hey, today I'm brushing my cat or folding laundry. Like, yes, I have a business I love and a life I love, but, you know, I'm not on a yacht 24 7. Yes, exactly. I love that genuineness too. And I think uh, that's really important to come through in our messaging and the way that we present ourselves, because honestly, nobody just wants to do business with a strategy. They want to do business with a human that can connect with them, that understands what their needs are kind of coming back even to Bruce, what you said about those soft skills of figuring out how do we communicate in the voice and from the tone that is right for, for you, not just in, in terms of how the marketer wants to communicate. And Maggie, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit because I know that you are fabulous at doing that. And part of the original conversation that we had with you, you really helped to figure out what our strengths were. You said here, you asked us a lot of questions that we could tell you what we thought. And then you said, hey, here's the best way to position your story. And I really liked that you did that research and listening and you use something called the fascination advantage test as well. Can you talk a little bit about what that process looks like for you to figure out how do you communicate in an authentic way for the clients that you work with? So it ultimately starts with a lot of research. And this is where I think when it comes to storytelling, positioning and messaging, a lot of people don't want to do the research. They don't want someone to spend the time doing this. But this is what's going to get rid of the bias because you could show up Rachel and be like, Hey, my story is this. I'm like, but nobody cares. So, you know, mm -hmm. how do we create that story that is authentic and real that your audience is actually going to connect with? So by doing that research, we dig into things like, you know, what makes you qualified to do what you do? Why do you do what you do? Um, you know, what do you stand for? Like, what do you, why are you doing this in the first place? And I think a lot of times it's easy for us to get caught up in our own kind of internal script and having that outside person doing the research and really pulling that together helps to give you the permission to be like, Hey, here is actually my story and get rid of some of that mental clutter that goes on that I think pretty much every small business owner has. And then the fascination advantage, um, this is something that I've, I've been certified in, I've been using with clients for about four years now. And it's really designed like tests like Colby or StrengthsFinder or Myers-Briggs. It's about you internally, where what's different with the fascination advantage is you're looking at how does the world see you? So for example, for myself, my two kind of things are the language of innovation. So I, I talk about creativity and ideas, and that's the way people perceive me. Also, I'm a very strong listener. That's my other one. So, you know, I use that to my advantage in all of our marketing. I use that to show up with clients to be like, hey, don't worry, we've got this process handled. And, you know, demonstrating to them constantly that we are listening and we do hear them. That's fabulous. And I, I really loved how you drew that out. And you do that with any client that you work with. And I know that that's part of making sure that that messaging is authentic. And it's not just something that's coming from your perspective, Maggie, hey, this is how I would communicate your message if I were you, but you're instead saying, here's the best way for you to communicate your message from your position of strength. And that really helps your messaging to be authentic. And to have permission to be authentic. I think that was one of the greatest 
um, just learnings or understandings that I had as we came into that conversation is that our story does matter and who we are matters. And we don't have to try to be somebody else or fit some type of mold that other people are using, but really to be able to speak from our own position of, of strength and influence and use our own unique abilities. So thanks for sharing that. No problem. And you know, here's the thing is, many times, we're just way too critical about our story or our message, when it is what it is trying to fit into some sort of personal branding mold, like Bruce was talking about a few minutes ago, or I'm um, trying to sound like someone that you're not, it's never going to work. Because once that person sits down with you or has that first phone call with you, they're gonna be like, wait a second, this there's a mm-hmm. disconnect between your marketing and the person I'm actually speaking to. You know, Maggie, that's I preach this all the time when I when I try to either mentor uh, other producers, advisors, or other business owners is that we are by and I'm a I'm a biology major by by uh, education, so you know we have innate abilities that even from a small child can read uh, people's mannerisms and actions even when we, we couldn't communicate as a small, small child. Mm-hmm. So the same thing goes on in every interaction that you have, whether it's a personal interaction or whether it's a business interaction, people don't even know they're picking up on cues. They're not sitting there thinking, Oh, Maggie's got her arms crossed. That's setting a, a signal that she means that or uh, Maggie's, you know, looking away when I'm speaking or something, but it, but it, all of it's getting registered. Um, and so if you can just be authentic, because sometimes uh, other times people are looking you directly in the eye and they're trying to look really positive and you really know that that's not who they are either. And it, it works both ways. So just being who you are is absolutely the best way to communicate with people. You have, do you have any uh, insights on that? honestly, it's exhausting to try to be something you're not. I, you know, I always think of for me when I first did the fascination advantage, when I, when I finally understood that listening was this kind of superpower for me, and that was the real value I was able to bring to people. And that's what they really considered something that was a real strength of mine. It really put a lot of things in my career in perspective. So, you know, very early on, quite young in my career, I would sit in meetings with clients. And I wouldn't. I wasn't ever going to be the type of person who was going to dominate the conversation. I was never going to be the type of person that was going to necessarily come up with this great, fantastical idea on the fly. But I was internalizing that information in a way that was incredibly valuable to the client. And I, I only wish I knew that now because it would have relieved a lot of stress for me of like thinking, oh, no, no, I need to say something here. Yes. It was so hard for me. And I think when I did it, it, it came across as forced and it did not, it didn't convey the best Maggie I could be to form those clients. So ultimately, if <laughs> just getting clear on what, what it is you're really good at and how you can best show up and being real with the people you're working with, they will love you for it. And you know what? If they don't love you, you don't want to work with them anyways. No one wants a client relationship that's difficult. It's not fun for anyone. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It, I think it's, go ahead. Well, Bruce. I think when you're coming, you know, I don't even know who said this, but I try to, once again, I try to relate this to everybody and I do this in a, in settings. I'd love to know what your Colby is, Maggie, if, if you could share it, but you know, you really, I try to listen with the intent to understand rather than listening with the intent to respond. 
And I yes. think, I think in a, in a, in a situation, a client situation or a social setting, you can pick out the people that are actually listening with the intent to respond very quickly. The Mm people, the people that are listening with the intent to understand get lost in it. And that sounds like that's what you were doing uh, Mm -hmm. early in your career. You're like, um, you know, I'm, I'm really not in this conversation. And you kind of feel like you got to get into conversation. Um, But then when you just, when you stopped and realized that, Oh no, I don't need to get into conversation. That's one of my strengths. Then things became simpler for you. You you gained energy. You weren't you weren't stressed out by being in those settings, and and things progressed for you. And you know, I'm really glad we're having the conversation about listening because good content marketing, great content marketing as a small business owner comes down to you listening to your audience. What questions are they asking you? Um, you know, what kind of things do they need to learn? Where are the gaps in their knowledge? Understanding that ultimately makes you a better content marketer versus just deciding, well, here's what I want to say. Yeah, Maggie, actually it was interesting because I think we've been on this journey for quite a while of figuring out how do we understand the questions that people are asking. And and we've done several different things to try to figure out how we can understand better. But the more we communicate to the needs of whether it be an audience in a live situation or through the podcast, we're trying to think, okay, so how what are the questions on the person's mind who's listening and how do we make sure that we are meeting those? And I think it just changes the conversation because then as a speaker, you're less about your speaking and more about the listening, which is kind of funny because you would think that it's about speaking, but it's really not. And um, I really appreciate that you brought that out. And, and I think let's come back to kind of the big perspective here of, so business owner is listening to this podcast today. Well, maybe they're finding out more about themselves or saying, hey, I can be a little bit more authentic in the way that I communicate when I'm networking or sending emails. How does the content marketing space, how do they figure out, should I be doing more content marketing? Should I be creating more blogs or articles or videos or somehow should I be creating information and education for people? Who would you say that's for in terms of the business owner? So a lot of times this is going to depend on your industry, your resources and everything else. But many times, especially with small businesses, while big B2B businesses have content marketing handled and they you know, have experts in the house, for small businesses, content marketing is relatively untapped. So let's say you're a realtor. I love that example because we actually have worked with a few different realtors on this. And you look around, you're like, oh, everyone's website looks like it's from... 2004. Check. That's an opportunity. No one is blogging. Check. That's another opportunity. So understanding like where is that gap in your market and where can I come in with some content and fill that versus just continuing to do the same marketing you've always done. You know, if you're a local, let's say a local or a small business that you are not using Facebook to its full potential, guys, I've been on Facebook for 11 years. It's not going away. <laughs> or you know, looking yeah. at if you have a visual business, getting on Instagram, you know, pick, kind of picking and choosing where are those opportunities that you can, instead of being just another realtor in the supplement of your local newspaper, being the only local realtor who's there. And that's really what I think content marketing can do for a small business. And then, you know, I, the other thing is too, understanding that if you want a quick fix in terms of, bringing in leads and finding clients and making sales. This is not it. This is a long-term strategy. 
And I love, love, love that you said that. And I feel that that's something really important for any business owner to have that vantage point to say, okay, so I'm not just trying to create dollars tomorrow. And if I write this article or I do this blog and tomorrow I don't have $500 in my hand as a result of new business, then it's not working. I think we've seen even in our social media strategy and in everything that we've done on content marketing, that it definitely is a long-term game. It's this long-term progression of getting in front of the right audience and making sure that you're answering those questions and getting them to be able to connect with that and engage when it's appropriate for them and ask the right questions when it's appropriate for them. And then leads do come out of that in great conversations with people who already know you because they've been following you for some length of time. And and I think it definitely is a long-term game that you have to be willing to play and not just look at the results and the outcomes and say, nope, it's not working after a week. <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, podcasting is the perfect example. Like you guys are on what, this is episode 26. Uh, Yes. Podcasting is a long-term strategy, but as as a fellow podcaster, I can tell you, it really does pay off because people get to know, like, and trust you. And they're, you're, it's so intimate. You're in their ears. So um, you have to look at every strategy with like, Hey, how long am I willing to do this? And if your answer is three months, don't bother. Right. Right. And thanks for bringing that up. I think that will, um, that's just a reality check, but then it also will help us to be able to say, well, is this really what I want to do? Is it, am I in it for the long haul? So when somebody does say, okay, I want to do more content marketing. I want to get out there somehow and share this education. There's a lot of hurdles to go through and there's figuring out what email tool to use and how to connect all your social media channels together and how to make sure you've written all the blogs and articles. And just from being in that space and writing articles and doing the podcast and preparing for them and having a long-term strategy in place, I mean, there's a lot of effort and work that goes into that. But I think some of it becomes the technology overwhelm of saying, well, I don't really know what to do and I don't know how to figure it all out. And I don't want to go through five years of trial and error. Can you speak a little bit to what somebody would need to have in place and why it seems like it's overwhelming and maybe how you guys then as Scoop help to resolve that for a client. So, you know, really for your content marketing, it comes down to two things is you need an overall strategy. So instead of just starting with, hey, we're going to start blogging, pump the brakes and like Mm -hmm. is blogging the best tool for you? Maybe it's podcasting, maybe it's live video, maybe it's uh, pre-recorded videos that you use on YouTube and build a YouTube channel. You know, don't put the cart before the horse in terms of deciding like this is what we need. Really backing up and having that content strategy in place to decide. You know, what is our message we're going to communicate? You know, how often are we going to do this? What is the best format for our audience? What's sustainable for us? What's our schedule going to be? Answering kind of all those planning questions with that strategic hat on first, versus just being like, oh, we need a blog. Let's get going. <laughs> And then the second part of that is once that's mapped out is figuring out the simplest way to start. So, and this is one of the reasons while we're a content marketing agency, we do have a technology team because there are always those tools, you know, is it your email system? Do you need some type of specific platform for podcasting or live streaming or, you know, what's your setup for your videos going to be? So answering those questions, figuring out how to implement them and removing those, um, those hurdles is really, really important. And here's the thing that many times with tools people are looking for is very few tools will do everything you want it to do. So just get over that. <laughs> and then the second part of right. it is, is whatever tool you start with now, 
you can upgrade in time. So perfect example is email marketing. People will come to us and be like, I need Infusionsoft, which is a very high-end system. And I'm like, but you have three subscribers on your email list. Let's start you with a MailChimp or ConvertKit. And then you can upgrade once you have proven the viability of this concept. So, you know, starting out as a test and being like, hey, we're going to do email marketing for six months using a lower cost tool, see what we can do with that, and then grow from there. Um, you're going to migrate tools over time. So just deciding like, hey, I'm going to I'm going to start with the biggest and the best, you're actually setting yourself up to fail. That is powerful. And yes, you can't have it all figured out before you get there. I think one of the things for us that was really helpful is we said, well, video is great for us and we love doing video. So let's go ahead and start, which then required us to figure out how to upload on YouTube and what tools and software to use for microphones and cameras and lighting and everything that we needed to do for video. And then we're jumping into the podcasting space and writing. And there's a lot of tools that are required. And then as you continue to grow and scale, well, you're building maybe funnels now and you're using lead pages or you're using something else and figuring out how do I continue to take this in the direction that I want to go. And yes, we've seen limitations on certain things and had to say bye-bye to some software and then be able to move on to something else. And it is really important to know that again, as it's that long-term game that you're talking about, it's also this thing where it's that trial and error a little bit and figuring out, okay, what's going to work for me now doesn't mean it's going to be the same thing that works for me in three years as I continue to grow. Yeah. And you know, we always tell people who are like, hey, try, get in, use a free trial, figure out if this works for your brain. So I think that that's one thing that people don't talk about a lot with tools. Every tool is set up a little bit differently. We all process information differently. And just because your friend or some internet guru says, hey, this is the tool you should use, it might not be the right one for you and how your team and your brain are going to work with it. Mm, That's awesome. That's awesome. So how do you then, uh, I want to ask you about strategy. So you said it's not enough just to say, hey, let's get started. How do you help take somebody from that position of saying, okay, I want to do content marketing. How do I develop this into a strategy. I know part of what you did for us is you said, well, here, if you're going to do blogs and writing these articles, here's some topics and titles that you could actually use over the course of the next six months, or I think even a year to be able to communicate what is the core of your message to your audience in terms of questions that they're asking. And we've used those and tweaked them a little bit, but we've been able to develop a lot of the podcasting schedule based around those types of topics as well. So how do you take an idea, the idea to become an educator in some space and push out content that you're sharing with an audience, how do you go from that decision to becoming strategic? And how do you at Scoop help that help with that? So essentially, everyone we work with for content marketing, we do a content strategy exercise with them. This is the same, you know, strategic process you went through, Rachel, and we follow a very set, set, you know, number of steps where we look at your audience, we look at, you know, how are you going to communicate with them? What's your value proposition? Um, you know, also what's sustainable for you? Like so many people are like, I'm going to blog five times a week. I'm like, uh-huh, let's, let's mm-hmm. stop here. <laughs> and then, you know, exactly. Basically from there operationalizing it. So if you're like, okay, we're going to do, we, we decide we're going to do Instagram because you're a photographer and that's where your audience is. We're going to figure out, okay, so for you, you know, what type of posts give you examples of those posts? What kinds of hashtags? Like we really, we start at that strategic level, but then boil it down into a very, very tactical game plan so that when that content strategy is done, it's something that you can take away. And in the case of what you and Lucas did, you implement it yourself, or it's something we use as kind of that blueprint for our work together. 
That's excellent. So as somebody's listening now, they're saying, okay, I see the need for either getting into the content space, or I see the need for being more strategic as I've just been haphazard and maybe sending something out once a month or occasionally, or I'll write or blog for three months. And then I don't do anything for my busy season because it gets overwhelming. Um, How with that person, as they're saying, either I want to shore up and improve my content strategy, or I want to start for the first time, how do they make that decision to know if you at Scoop are right for them? So, you know, honestly, it comes down to two things is number one, go through our website, see what we do, decide if Mm -hmm. you like us or not. If you don't want to work with a bunch of smart women, we're probably not the right one for you. But, you know, we're not for everyone. We're very, very direct and kind of not fluffy. But we tend to we tend to jive well with the entrepreneur set because we're entrepreneurs ourselves. And then, you know, the next thing is, too, if that's a good – you look go through and you're like, hey, this, you know, this seems like a good fit. Reach out to us and we one of us on our team will have a conversation with you and decide if it's a mutual fit from there. It's really, really important to us as business owners that – um, we work with the kind of clients we know we actually can help. So if we feel like you're not ready or there's something missing and you need to go away and work on that, we'll be incredibly honest about that as well. That's awesome. And I do love that about working with you. I haven't had the opportunity to work with the rest of your team at this point, but in all of our work with you, I just really appreciate that complete forthrightness and total transparency and honesty. So, um, Also, I want to just share you practice what you preach and you guys are doing content marketing. So I know you have blogs and videos on YouTube. You've got a lot of, you've got a podcast as well. So I know that there's other ways and tools that people can reach out to you. And at the end, we'll have you share your website as well. But I know that there's several ways that people can find out and learn from you to figure out if you are, if you're that right fit or not. Awesome. Yeah, we can definitely share that. Awesome. And so if you could share one thing with business owners that are thinking exponentially, and they have this growth trajectory in their life, and they're wanting to grow and expand and scale what they're currently doing, they're working to build this life and business that they love right now, and not just slugging through and hopefully maybe someday they're going to get to a point where they're actually going to finally be happy, but they really want to enjoy the process as they're going through it. What would you say is your number one piece of advice to that person as they're building that life in business they love? Keep it simple. As a business owner, as a content marketer, keep it simple. So many times we're so visionary and we're so motivated and we're excited and we love what we do. We want to do all the things right now. And ultimately, (laughs) we create a lot of complexity that doesn't need to be there. So we have an internal joke about the filter we have to run it through is just because I can doesn't mean I should. So just Mm. because you have a great idea doesn't mean it needs to happen right today. Um, I think many times because we have that flexibility and freedom, it's really easy for us to end up going, you know, completely on a tangent that is not necessarily going to serve our business. Yes, there are going to be opportunities that come up that you have to take over. But um, you know, a lot of a lot of things about building a business, no matter how much you love it, it's about consistency and showing up and not super sexy stuff. Mm-hmm. No, that's absolutely right. And I think um, I just love that you share that even uh, just keeping it simple. And sometimes having a small goal is more beneficial to you in the long run than having that big goal. 
we need to know what we're working on today. So I also want to explain, so where are you from, Maggie? I know you have this accent that people are probably very intrigued by, and I should have brought this up at the way beginning, and I know where you're from, but can you share with our audience where you hail from? I have an accent. Everyone else has an accent. I don't have one. I'm... Uh-huh. <laughs> And you can cue all your Canadian maple syrup jokes right now and hockey questions. But I Uh actually live just outside of Canada's capital city, Ottawa, in a small rural town of 500 people. I'm a city girl and I'm trapped here. I'm not sure why. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I knew that you were from Canada um, and near Ottawa as well. And so I am from Minnesota. So that's a very familiar type of accent to me uh, from my growing up years. But thank you for sharing that with our audience. So we're technically having an international podcast today. It's pretty exciting. You're so fancy. Uh, I know. I know. Well, I guess you're the fancy one. Um, So thank you for being here today. Thank you to our audience for listening. And wherever you currently are in your life and business, as you're working to connect with more people, build a bigger audience, be able to have more clients that resonate with you and your work. This podcast today has really just helped you to figure out a little bit more about content strategy and education and being in that marketing space of creating information that people want and need that solves problems for them. And so um, as we wrap this up today, Maggie, how can our listeners find and follow your work? So for all of our services, you can find us over at scoopstudios.co. And if you're more in that kind of do-it-yourself mode, we do have a sister site to that, which is really for that service business owner, which is smallbusinessboss.co. And you can reach out to me at maggie at scoopindustries.com. Awesome. And you said that was um, smallbusinessboss.co. Yeah, I'll make sure that we have... podcast as well. Awesome. Okay. So I'll make sure that we get that into the notes for our audience And um, so on the money side of life for our listeners, if you would like to create that comprehensive strategy to keep in control more of the money that you're already making, you can email us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com to request that free financial picture conversation. And that will really help you to maximize your wealth today and in the future by discovering the money that is currently flowing out of your control and leaving your fingers and strategize ways to get more of that flowing back into your control so you can keep in control more of the money that you're already making and having that end result of more that you have to retain and utilize in your lifetime and also more to pass on to future generations. So as we close today, special thanks to you, Maggie, our guest today. Thank you for being with us all the way from near Ottawa, Canada. And um, thank you, Maggie. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, Maggie. It was very interesting. Thanks for being on. Awesome. And thank you also to you, our listeners. You can email us with questions and comments to hello at themoneyadvantage.com. If you have questions for Maggie, go ahead and reach out directly to her and we'll make sure that her contact information is all in the show notes as well. So in closing, success leaves clues. So follow the successful few, not the crowd, and build a life and business you love. To learn how high-performing entrepreneurs 10x or more returns on liquid capital without giving up quick access to cash, go to themoneyadvantage.com forward slash liquid dash capital to get The Unfair Advantage, your 20-minute easy-to-read guide on maximizing your savings. Thank you for listening to the Money Advantage podcast. Today's show notes and resources are available for you on themoneyadvantage.com. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe and leave a review. If you have any questions or desire to speak with a qualified financial professional after listening to today's podcast, we encourage you to reach out to us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com 
or check us out at themoneyadvantage.com. The opinions and views expressed here are for informational purposes only. This material is educational in nature and should not be deemed as a solicitation of any specific product or service. All investments involve risk and a potential loss of principal. Kalos Capital Incorporated nor Kalos Management Incorporated offer tax or legal advice. Please consult with a tax advisor or attorney for advice regarding the impact on your portfolio. Securities offered through Kalos Capital Incorporated Member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB, and Investment Advisory Services offered through Kalos Management Incorporated and Registered Investment Advisor, both located at 11525 Parkwood Circle, Alpharetta, Georgia. E3 Consultants Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Kalos Capital Incorporated or Kalos Management Incorporated.